Welcome to First Baptist Church of Augusta. We're so glad you could join us for worship this morning. Here at First Baptist, we are a church that lives out the greatest commandment of Jesus, which is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We believe that following the way of Jesus should make a difference in the world around us. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing at FBC Augusta today. Good morning, everybody. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15. And in just a moment, we are going to read verses 11 through 32. Luke 15, 11 through 32. And we are continuing on in our series during Lent, which is the seven weeks leading up to Easter. And what we are doing is we are looking at difficult teachings of Jesus, difficult situations that he was in in his life. And today we're looking at a story that I think uh, most of us, if you grew up in the church at all, you would have heard this story a number of times. We'll come back to that in just a few moments. And so whether you're here in the room or watching online, we are thrilled that you are with us this morning. And you can follow along in your Bible or simply uh, go along with us on the screen as I read now this parable from Jesus. Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him off to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders yet. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found." So I want to begin with a question for each of us this morning. What is your favorite hymn? Seriously, or maybe contemporary Christian song. What is it? If you're watching online, you can put it in the chat box here in the room. What is it? Come on, what's your favorite? Toss it out there. Oh, come on. You hit the nail on the head on the very first try, guys. What she said was her favorite song, Christian song, contemporary or traditional, her favorite, and I think most of us in this room, it probably came to mind, is Amazing Grace. Anybody? Yes? Okay, good. I know some of you typed that in the chat box. Amazing Grace, guys. It was written in 1772 by a man named John Newman. He was an Anglican priest. And he wrote this song, and it was immediately uh, took off and became popular in the church, and it has stuck with us the entirety of those years since it's been written. You guys, you probably, if you grew up in church at all, you know the words by heart, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Those words, I once was lost, and now I am found. Where does that come from? Those words that are etched into our memories, they come exactly from this story of Jesus, this parable of Jesus about the prodigal son. He once was lost and now he is found. And Newman translates it and says, I once was lost and I now am found. And every single time we stand up and we sing in worship or you sing from your own home or you hear those lyrics repeated in your brain like songs get stuck, what you hear is, I once was lost, and now I am found. The prodigal son. That's the way it's listed in almost all of our Bibles. It is one of the most famous teachings of Jesus. I I think it might actually be the most famous teaching of Jesus. And we have it not only in music, but also in art. When most of us think about the prodigal son here, 
is what we think about. You can toss that picture up in just a moment. There it is. It's a little dark. Hopefully you can see it. But it is Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son. And the father has his hands on the son and he's welcoming him back home. And we are taught implicitly to identify with the father in this story. I, or I'm sorry, with the younger son in this story. I once was lost and now I am found. Now, some of you, you grew up in church, okay? So you might uh, have heard all of this a thousand times over, but some of you have not. So I want to give just kind of a brief summation, a quick overview of, of what is happening in this story, that there is a younger son. There are two sons. Actually, Jesus starts it this way. A father has two sons. And the younger son comes to the father and he says, Dad, I would like to have my portion of the inheritance, which to us in Western culture does not seem like that radical of a thing, right? Okay, I need a loan. I just got out of college. I got 60K in debt. Can you help me out a little bit? Yeah, it seems totally normal. But you have to remember that Western culture is not the culture of the ancient Near East. And when this younger son in Jesus' story comes to the father and says, Dad, I would like my share of the inheritance, they are living in an honor and a shame culture. And one of the most shameful things you could possibly do is to ask the father for your inheritance because you only got that after he died. And so when the younger son comes and he says, Dad, let me have my share of the inheritance, those original listeners to the story in Jesus' time, they would have expected that the father would have said, what did you just say to me? Of course I'm not going to give you that inheritance. And so the very first thing, and y'all, we lose sight of this, but it is shocking when the father, Jesus says, divides up the inheritance. The younger son says to the father, I, in essence, wish you were dead. And the younger son takes his money, and Jesus says he runs off, and he squanders everything he has. In essence, he goes to spring break in Las Vegas, and he goes off, and he does all of his stuff, and he parties, and he has a wild time. And then we hit this moment in the story when the younger son looks around, and he has no more money, and he has no more friends, and he has no more stuff, and he has to hire himself out so that he can make some money. And one of the jobs that he is given is he's sent out into the field to work with pigs. Okay, another time. Pause. Stop. For us, a pig, whatever. I like bacon. It's all good. But for a Jew living in the first century, one of the things that you simply could not imagine doing is going out into the field and working with pigs because pigs are not kosher. Pigs are a filthy animal, to quote Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction, if you remember that movie. And that would have been absolutely unthinkable for this Jewish man to find himself in the depths of despair, so low in his life that he is now reduced to feeding pigs. And in the story of Jesus, the younger son has this moment where he says, you know what, what am I doing? I'm just going to go home and I'm going to tell my father that I'm sorry for everything I've done and his servants are living better than me. So I'm going to go back, I'm going to apologize. And I think it's sincere and he's going to go back and just be a servant of his father. And so we know part of this story, if you grew up in church, right, that the, that the younger son makes his way back to the house and he's got this speech prepared. 
And Jesus says that when the father sees the younger son, still a long way away, he lifts up his robe and he runs to his son. Now, in ancient Near Eastern culture, a, a, a patriarch, a father, one of the things that he would not do is to lift up his robes and to run. It was something that you just didn't do. You're important. You're powerful. People run to me and not me to you. And yet Jesus says that the father sees his son who had taken everything and gone off and wasted it all. And he had every right, this father did, to be angry at the younger son. And yet what happens is that when he sees him, he lifts up his robes and he runs to him. And the younger son starts this uh, mea culpa. I'm so sorry, father, I've wasted everything and I'm not worthy to be your son. And let me be one of your servants. And the father in this beautiful, y'all, beautiful story, he says, I don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear another word come out of your mouth because you are here and that is the only thing that matters. And he turns to his servants and he says, go and kill the fatted calf, which guys, that is a rarity in ancient Near Eastern culture. Go and kill the fatted calf and get my robe and put it on my son and get the ring and put it on his finger, which is a signifier that he is back into the family. And then he says those incredible words, you were lost and and now you are found, and so we have to celebrate. And guys, this story is revolutionary, and this story is powerful, and it is so incredibly good. And over the years, we have been taught to see that that father figure is God, and that younger son, it is us. And each one of us, we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And we can try all of these things to get into right relationship with him. But at the end of the day, what we see is that the Father loves us and the Father is there for us. And, and, and far from waiting on us to come back home with our repentance and begging him for our forgiveness, what we learn through this story of Jesus is at the very heart of God is this incredible Father who loves us and who runs to meet us precisely where we are. And this is so incredibly beautiful, isn't it? It's at the heart of the Christian message. I once was lost, but now through the grace of Jesus Christ, I have been found. And if you grew up at all in church, you have heard hundreds, probably, literally, hundreds of sermons that tell this same exact story. And the reason why you've heard it so many times is because it is powerful and it is rich and it is true. And some of you are here today. And as you think about the context of your own life, you are that younger son. Some of you, through your own decisions, you have walked so far away from Jesus. And what you need to hear today is that God is waiting to welcome you with open arms. And there's nothing you can do to make him turn away from you. There's nothing you can do that can keep the Father from loving you. Some of you are here this morning, and that is precisely what you need to hear. Some of you are here this morning, and you grew up with a picture of God who is angry, who is constantly waiting to rain down hellfire and brimstone on us. And today, you need to hear the counter story. Today, you need to hear the true story of Jesus, that God is that father 
who is constantly looking out the driveway. Is my son home yet? Is my daughter coming back home? Because that is who God is, and that is how God relates to us. Some of you are here today, and that's what you need to hear. But y'all, we got to be real careful in this story because as we said, John Newman says, I was lost and now I'm found. Rembrandt paints this painting with the loving father and the younger son. But y'all, this is why we got to be really, really careful because the younger son, the younger son is only half of the story. The younger son is only half of the story. And in this parable of Jesus, a man had, he begins, two sons. And if you only focus on the younger one, then, friends, you are missing the power. You are missing the potential to transform our lives. And so what we know about the older son, like typical first children, he's dutiful. He does everything the way he is supposed to do it. I saw some smirks. Maybe that's not true of everybody. And he does exactly what the Father says. And through the context Jesus paints for us, he is obedient. He's type A. He's alpha dog. And on the day that the younger son comes home, who has disrespected the father, on the day that the younger son comes home, who has wasted half of the inheritance, What do we find but the elder son doing what the elder son has always done? He's out in the field, and he's working, and he's doing his thing, and then the sun sets, and Jesus tells us that the the older son is coming home, and he hears music in the background, and he hears people laughing, and he hears dancing, and he says to one of the servants, yo, what is going on in that barn? And servant, Jesus says, looks to the older brother and he says, your brother has been found. Your brother has come home. And so dad decided to kill the fatted calf. And so you need to get back and join in the celebration as quickly as you can. But Jesus says, that's not how things panned out. That the older son, having always done what he was supposed to do, looks at what is happening in the barn because his degenerate, low-life brother is welcomed back into the family like nothing has happened. And the older son refuses to go in that party, and he calls his father out, and he says, what are you doing? This son of yours, he can't even bring himself to call his brother a brother. He can't even bring himself to call his brother by name. And when he's looking at the celebration that is going on inside of that barn, he says, that son of yours who disrespected you, who wasted everything, and now he comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him, and I've done everything you've ever asked And you didn't even give me and my friends a goat. And y'all, in this beautiful moment in the story, the father figure, God, looks to this older son and he says, Son, everything that I have is yours. Don't you understand that from the beginning I have loved you and everything that I have is yours. But this brother of yours, he was lost and now he is found. He is dead and now he's alive. And so you've got to come in and celebrate And if you go back into Luke chapter 15, verse 1, the beginning, what sets up this story 
is that Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Jesus is hanging out with the younger brothers. And what happens in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, is that the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they see what Jesus is doing and they scoff at him. And they say, look at Jesus who is hanging out with those sinners. And what we tend to do with this story of the prodigal son is we look at it and we go, see, Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he's saying that their conception of God is all wrong. And we like to say that Jesus is talking to somebody else. And we like to think that we are the younger son. But y'all, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't tell a story about a prodigal son. Jesus says there was a man who had two sons. And if we only identify with the first, then we will miss the power of this story. Because just like, just like we are the younger son, we also are the older one. Think about that for just a moment. Yes, some of us have wandered away and some of us have lived a ruthless and like prodigal lifestyle where we've gone and, and we've done everything we know we shouldn't have. And then we come home to God and it's beautiful. But what I would also say is that maybe more of us here in this room, we've done all the things we're supposed to do. And we've followed all the rules and we've done all the things. And we were there on Wednesday night church and we were there for training union. And I did the summer camps and I've followed all the rules. And Jesus is saying, don't you understand that following those rules has never been the point? Don't you understand that there is something bigger at play? You see, guys, we're not just the younger son. We are the older son as well. And far too many of us construct this idea about God that in order for him to love us, we have to do certain things and follow certain rules. And then we get angry when we see the extravagant grace extended to other people. And what is so incredibly powerful about this story, guys, is that we are the younger son and we are also the older son because this is the thing we have to get, that both of them, both of them fundamentally misunderstand the father. Both of them misunderstand the father. One of them, the older, says, if I want God, if I want the father to love me, then I'm going to do everything perfect and I'm going to be a type A personality and then I'm going to get a scholarship and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and then dad will love me. And the other believes my life would be better without him at all. And both of them have failed to understand that at the heart of the Father is this extravagant love. Everything I have is yours. Don't you know? Don't you know that I love you and I am here for you? And now we've got to throw the party. Both sons misunderstand God. And what I think, what I ultimately believe is that in the church today, we also misunderstand God on both sides of the equation. And Jesus tells this parable to shock our system. Jesus tells this parable to have us take a deep look inside of our own selves there's this incredible book I definitely want to recommend to you. It's called Short Stories by Jesus. I've talked about it before, but it's written by a woman named Amy Jill Levine. Amy Jill Levine is a professor at Vanderbilt University, and fascinatingly, she is Jewish. She's a Jewish New Testament scholar, and her books, guys, they are absolutely fascinating. 
A couple years ago, she wrote this book called Short Stories by Jesus. I've referenced it before. And it's all about the parables, like what we just read. And at the beginning of her book, she makes this claim, and I think it is absolutely true. Here's what she says, that if we hear a parable like the prodigal son, and we think, I really like that, or worse, fail to take any challenge, then we are not listening well enough. If we hear these stories of Jesus, and yes, I understand, you have heard the parable of the prodigal son 15 trillion times throughout the course of your life. But if you hear it for the 15,001st time, and you think, man, I really like that, or even worse, I wish my brother was here to hear that one. If you hear the parables of Jesus and you think, I like that, or it doesn't challenge your system, then friends, we need to take a step back and ask the question, what are we missing? Because the fact of the matter is, yes, oftentimes we are the younger brother, but I would say more than that, we have the tendency in type A, hyper-driven Western American culture to be the older son and to say we have what we have because we've earned it and we have what we have because we deserve it. And the nature of who God is says you couldn't be further from the truth. What is absolutely shocking to me about this story is the way that it ends. That the older son comes close to the barn, but he he doesn't go in. He's angry, and I get it. And And the father comes out, and he talks to his son, and he said, come on, your brother is found, and we gotta go inside. And we've got to celebrate because he was lost and now he's found, he's dead, and now he is alive. So come on in the party. And remember, y'all, this is an honor and shame culture. And one of the most shameful things you could do in the culture of the ancient Near East is to refuse an invitation from your father, to refuse a direct command from the father. And the father says, come in and celebrate with me. And what is absolutely captivating about this story of Jesus, who is the most masterful storyteller, is the way that it ends. We, of course I killed the fatted calf because your brother was gone and now he's home. And so we have to celebrate. Does the older son go in the party? Does the older son join in to the festivities? And what is absolutely fascinating about Jesus is that the answer is we don't know. Jesus leaves it hanging in the ether because I think this is really the key. Because the question isn't does the older son eventually make his way into the party. The question that Jesus is constantly pressing us on is this. Will you go into the party? Will you ultimately go into the party? And do you know there's an open invitation? Stop and think about this for just a moment, y'all. Who goes in and celebrates? The servants, the hired hands, the family, the neighbors. The invitation is open. And ultimately, we don't know if that older son goes in because the question isn't about him. The question's about me, and the question is about you. 
And are we willing to set aside our perfection? Are we willing to set aside our ideas that we can earn the love of God and simply receive His grace and His kindness? Are we willing to put ourselves in the position of the older brother? Because that's where many of us are. And instead of standing outside with our anger, instead to enter in to the celebration. You know what? I think that's what I love most of all about this story of Jesus. I think that's what I love about the parable. Because we don't really stop and think about this at all. And ultimately, this is the question I want you to wrestle with. As you go throughout the course of your week, here's the thing I want you to consider. How do you picture the kingdom of God? How do you picture the kingdom of heaven? This reality that Jesus presents to us. How do you think about it? Because for far too many people, when we think about Christianity, when we think about the way of Jesus, we tend to think that that it is about doing the right things and we're somber and we're completely, you're there every time and church is this thing that we have to do and, and the religious life is one that we endure so that one day we can get to heaven. And Jesus in this incredible story tells us that we couldn't be further from the truth. The kingdom of God, this reality that Jesus presents to us right here and right now, it is not something to be endured. It's something to be celebrated. Do you know, friends, that the kingdom of God, this ever-present reality that we are invited into, Jesus says it is like the greatest celebration you have ever known. And it is filled with joy, and it is filled with grace, and it is filled with goodness. And you are invited in. So ultimately, the question is, how do we think about the kingdom? And in wake of hearing this parable of Jesus, will we be willing to go out and to invite those younger brothers among us? Will we be willing to go out and invite those older brothers who think they've always done everything right? And ultimately, will we ourselves be willing to step in to the party? That's the question that we're going to wrestle with this week. And with that on our minds, friends, let's take a few moments now and let's pray together. God, we are grateful for another morning where we can gather together and we can celebrate you and your goodness. So, oh Lord, on this day, help us. Because some of us are here and we are younger brothers. Some of us watching online, we have wandered away from you, oh Lord. And today, help us to see you're inviting us back home. And yet, God, maybe even more of us We are just like that older brother who believed that because we've done the right things, we deserve your love. And God, help us to see that there's nothing we can do because everything you have is ours. And God, may we receive your goodness and your grace on this day. And then God, as your people, as the church, may we be bold enough to go out into Augusta, to go out wherever we are living, God, and invite others into this radical party that is known as the kingdom of God. Because you are a father who loves us. That is who you are. And we are your children. May we rejoice in that fact today. God, be with us as we continue to worship. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope that you've experienced the presence of God and walk away empowered to make a difference in your community by sharing the love of Christ with those around you. We invite you to visit our website, find us on social media, or better yet, 
Stop by one of our Sunday services, 9 a.m. for contemporary and 11 a.m. for traditional. Have an amazing week. See you next time.